But what would happen if you looked at all the painful experiences you've gone through, all the hurt you've experienced, all the disappointment you've had? What would happen if you looked at those things and asked yourself, not why did this happen, but what now? Welcome to the Mission Driven Podcast, the show designed to empower, educate, and encourage you to stay focused and committed to your mission. I'm your host, AC Cristales. Let's get ready to roll. Thank you so much for joining me on the Mission Driven Podcast. I'm your host, AC Cristales. Guys, thank you so much for joining in again. For this episode, I have something a little different for you. I'm actually interviewing Rachel Brown, who is an assistant principal in the Garland Independent School District. So listen up as she's dropping a lot of nuggets. And also at the end of this podcast, I have a special surprise for you. Thank you for joining me on the Mission Driven Podcast. This is your host, AC Cristales. And today I have the honor and the privilege to interview my first guest on this podcast. And that is Rachel Brown. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Are you excited to be here? I'm excited that you're excited. So let's just go ahead and get into it real quick. Um, Go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your educational background. Yeah, so um, I am an only child, um, which makes me the best child. Um, uh, Two parents uh, came from a two-parent household. Parents were married until my my father passed away. Um, And uh, both of my parents made sure that education was a priority for me. Um, my dad did not have anything higher than a two-year degree, um, and my mother had a bachelor's degree, um, but nothing higher than that. Mm. Um, and so the fact that I have a master's degree and will hopefully be starting my doctorate in 2020, awesome. um, it, it makes me the, uh, the next generation, the best of, of both worlds and, um, pulling the legacy up. So, um, you know, in the house... We moved to uh, the Texas to Texas um, with no family, and so being again the only child, I spent a lot of time with my parents. Um, we did almost everything together, but they always instilled um, in me that education was a priority, um, and that supporting each other was a priority. They didn't miss a, an event um, unless it was absolutely necessary, um, and up until the day that my father almost passed away, um, he didn't miss any of my children's events. Um, and even though they may not always have known the right answers um, to get me there, they were always there and supportive and at the school, making sure that everything was was going well um, for me and always made a way to find uh, money <laughs> to pay for that education or um, help me find scholarships. My mom is a master at finding money on the web um, to get education. So, um Yeah, it was never a a question as to whether I would go to college. Um, It was where and what I wanted to do. And then after I got that bachelor's degree, decided I wanted to be a principal and that master's was the next step. They supported me through that too, so. um, I have a question about that. Yeah. Because I was just thinking about that as you were talking about your your parents and always, you know, just being there for you to support you. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, obviously they had some, college experience and so education like you said going to college was never a question but in terms of going after your master's what was the what was the motivation behind that mm-hmm. um the motivation and, and actually this was the motivation for getting my, my master's degree too because I was you know I didn't have any schema for that either um it was to help more kids 
um, to help more now educators mm -hmm. and leaders who help kids. Sure. Um, that really is my, uh, my passion is uh, kids. Mm -hmm. I, I love being around children from mm -hmm. three to 18 mm -hmm. um, in a high school. That's just kind of where I get my energy from. And I didn't really figure that out um, until I was in college. Okay. So I um, credit the fact that my parents made it a non-negotiable that I at least go get a bachelor's degree um, to me finding my way as an educator. Mm -hmm. um, so just to kind of go into that a little bit, I went to SMU um, on pretty good scholarship money. Um, it would have taken care of four years, um, but I decided... <laughs> that I was gonna change my major because I had decided by the end of my college career that I wanted to be an educator. Um, and it took me four and a half years. So that half um, on the end of the four cost some money. So I had to get a loan for that. But my other four years had been pretty much completely paid for. Um, and I was not, and I'll talk about this a little bit too. I was not um, the best student. Mm -hmm. I was not the worst, but I was not in that top 10%. Top 10 I wasn't valedictorian, salutatorian. I wasn't national merit, any of that stuff. And I still pretty much got my college career paid for, my, my bachelor's paid for. Um, but... I also had to work mm -hmm. while I was in school. And one of the jobs that I ended up taking was a work study job um, as a math tutor okay. at a middle school in West Dallas, um, TJ Russ Middle School. Okay. Uh, right, Rusk. Yes, right <laughs> by LaField, Maple, all, Maple Lawn was across the street. Um, and I just knew at that point, and I shared this with avid students that I talked to the other day, I was just motivated by money. Yeah. I was a 19 year old kid. Mm -hmm. Most 19 year old kids are exactly. motivated by making money and it paid pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was like $10, $12 an hour. Which and at that time, back that's in the day, money. You know, $12 yes. back then was like, we're showing our age, by the way. We are. Back, we back, are. Then, <laughs> back then, $12 was good. I was going to say, gas may or may not have been a, less than a dollar at that exactly. time, too. 93 cents. Uh, exactly. Something. <laughs> um, but so I was pretty good in math. At that point, I was still an engineering um, major. Um, that was my, my goal at that time. And uh, so I knew I could do, in my mind, I was like, I could do 7th and 8th grade math, right? Like, it, sure, <laughs> I made it sure. out of 7th and 8th grade. And what ended up happening is I went and I became a TOS tutor for these kids at TJ Rusk um, so they could pass their 8th their grade TOS. And I ended up falling in love with these kids. Um, there was just something about the connection I had with them, um, the way, you know, I talked to them, the way that they talked to me, the way that we interacted. Um, and we got some stuff done. Um, all, if, if I, I'm going to say 100%, I don't remember if it was mm -hmm. really 100%, but the majority of those kids that year were able to pass that toss test okay. at the end of it too. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember uh, the assistant principal, and um, it was through communities and schools mm -hmm. that, that I was doing the after school program. The campus manager for that saw me working with the kids and were like, have you ever thought about being a teacher? Mm -hmm. And you know me, again, I, I was motivated by money at that mm -hmm. time. I was like, no, teachers don't get paid. <laughs> uh -uh. I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be a patent lawyer. Exactly. That's what I really was trying to be okay. um, so that I can pay some bills eventually. Um, and they're like, okay, you know, but I still had a couple years. So I essentially kept working that job. Mm -hmm. I did the after school tutoring. I did the program. Um, long story short, decided I did want to become an educator. So that's when I changed the major um, and ended up having to do another half a year um, because I went from the engineering school to the business school. And there were some classes I just needed to finish 
So what was the switch? Um, what was the switch? I mean, what like what made you change? Um, so there was a one of my kids named Sable. I still remember Sable. Sable's probably how old am I? Uh, Sable's probably thirty something now, and probably has her own family. But um, at the end of that year, um, Sable had given me just a note, and you know mm-hmm. how I am when the kids give me the sure. had given me just a note telling me thank you. Um, Miss Rachel and I'm going to miss you and that kind of stuff when she was going to high school and um, it really it's fu- it's crazy but that pretty much was it for me along mm-hmm. with the encouragement mm-hmm. um, which throughout my career I've been very blessed to have mentors and people who see something in me that I don't mm-hmm. and then push me or drag me mm-hmm. um, to you know where I can kind of build on that and become better um, and so it was it was both of those it was my letter from Sable um, and it was um, Mr. Hart, and I can't even remember the assistant principal's name, though, um, who just kind of encouraged me and um, kind of got me into the helping kids business um, okay. at that point in time. Um, and I had figured out, somebody had told me, hey, because I was like, do I not need a degree in education? Like, how does this work? Mm-hmm. And um, the alternative certification programs were kind of getting going about that time. And I had read about one at um, University of uh, Texas at Arlington, UTA, okay. where I could also take the classes and they would go towards a master's. Okay. I, even though I didn't necessarily know I wanted a master's at that time, I'm always about value-added mm-hmm. type of person. For sure, for sure. So I was like, oh, if I can get you know this and then if I decide to get a master's, mm-hmm. these classes go towards it, that's what I'm going to do rather than having a bunch of classes that don't go towards anything later. Um, and so I went to UTA Got my teaching certification. Once I figured out how much those tests cost, which again, (laughs) at that time was expensive, I was like, oh, I can't afford to take these more than once. So I busted my butt um, studying, observing, figuring out, thinking about what my classroom would look like once I got there, um, thinking about the type of kids I wanted to work with. Because I had Sable and I had my TJ Russ kids who... Mm -hmm. Um, you know Rusk. Mm-hmm. Everybody might not know Rusk. But... Yeah, so tell us a little bit about Rusk. <laughs> yeah, and you know now I think it's a it, it is a thriving school, but Rusk is a high poverty school. Mm-hmm. Um, it is black and brown children, mostly Spanish speaking kids, mm-hmm. um, at this place who come from homes that um, are not you know uh, full of money and full of books and full of you know positive things and neighborhoods that that can can be kind of rough to come up in, and so they were traumatized kids. Um, and working with that type of child with a brain that's been traumatized has kind of shaped me into the leader that I am now um, because I wanted to learn about how to still um, do things that will allow that child to learn, even though I started figuring out that their brain had all these other things going on in it that was trying to stop them from learning Mm -hmm. and stop them from being successful. Um, But I always had little pockets of success like Sable was one of them um didn't come from a a great home um should by have all accounts not been successful um but wanted it she had that motivation and she wanted to do better and she wanted to get out um and that allowed her to kind of at that time looking back and now I know what it was Mm -hmm. to kind of push her trauma um away and um build some strategies for herself that allowed her to be successful um, and so I hope she finished high school. I lost, I kept track of her that next year. Um, and then after that, we kind of lost track uh, of each other, but, yeah. um, hopefully she's successful. And that's somewhere. the thing sometimes, you know, that we don't, we don't always see sometimes when I'm speaking, I, I tell 
you know, really, like, if you think about it, like, kindergarten teachers, right? Like, sometimes, like, okay, you know, what they're doing doesn't really seem significant, mm-hmm. but it is significant because it, it, it starts from the very beginning, you know, having teachers that care about their students from the very beginning, yeah. you know, giving them that love, giving them that the attention, the, the care, all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And stuff that sometimes just kind of gets looked over, you know, yeah. because we're so, you know, data-driven, right? Everything's yeah. about numbers and whatnot. And so I uh, say that because, yeah, there's, there's students that we impact, you know, at the middle school level, elementary school level, and we never really see, you know, what happens with them afterwards, you know. But then, out of the blue, they can come and they can see you somewhere. They'd be like, hey, mm-hmm. how, you were my, you know, you were my teacher, you were my, you know, that tutor in that class. So yeah. that's the beautiful thing, you know. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're planting seeds. Oh, yeah. Bottom line, we're just planting seeds. Yep, and, and hoping that they get enough sunshine and water along the For way. Sure. <laughs> For sure. To sprout up, um, you know, because we have to move on, unfortunately, yeah. as well. So everybody starts to move, but... Um, but yeah, that is the hard part about this job is um, you don't always get to see it. But we both have that experience where mm-hmm. we've had kids, like I've had kids at the state fair, Miss Rachel. And I'm like, who on earth? Because they don't, I mean, that's what they used to call me. So when they, depending on what name the kids call me, <laughs> exactly. I can tell kind of what stage of life <laughs> and where I was. Yeah. Um, but I've had kids, I've heard Miss Rachel, I've heard Miss Johnson, I've heard Miss Johnson Brown, I've heard Miss Brown called out, you know, um, and they do come back. Yeah. And the ones who surprise you, um, are the ones who either you had no idea that they were actually listening to what exactly. you said yeah. or the ones that y'all started out so rough and mm-hmm. rocky mm-hmm. that you're like, God, a kid, you know, I know we neither one of us wanted to see each other anymore. <laughs> and then now you're telling me, thank you for sending you to alternative school. Like exactly. what, what is that? You know? Um, but you just keep, you keep moving. You got to. Yeah. You, you keep to. plugging away. So. All right. So you were an educator. How long, how long did you teach? Um, I taught uh, for four or five years. Um, I did one of my years. I was a teacher slash testing coordinator, so I didn't teach a full um, load. And uh, then this this is this is my eleventh year in um, administration. Okay, so then you made the jump to admin. How was that? Fast and furious. (laughs) Um, So I had while I was working on my teaching certification. I worked for communities and schools as a campus, I don't remember what my title was, campus manager. So I ran um, anger management groups, got kids food, got the, did all that kind of social services stuff while I was getting my teaching certification. Um, then mid-year, the second year that I was with CIS, I actually got hired at Dallas Can Academy, um, downtown Dallas. Uh, it was Live Oak at that point, old building, which is now Ross Avenue. Um, and I stayed there for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I met my first mentor. Um, then, and he, <laughs> even though I was still teaching and I didn't, you know, didn't really know what I was doing and all of this stuff, he was the one who planted the seed in me that I was going to be in some type of leadership capacity, okay. um, in education, just based on, um, I think the way that i learned to run my classroom Mm -hmm. I was terrible at first like most people are (laughs) um but how I learned how to run my classroom and then just I think he saw how I built those relationships with again some of the most traumatized kids um and um how I have a systems mind kind Mm of I'm all about how to have a system that is efficient but that will benefit the most people um and with the, the biggest group of people that needs to benefit are the students. Um, and so I've always been able to look at things and be like, ah, if we do this, if we tweak this a little bit, then it'll kind of run a little bit smoother. Mm-hmm. That I think is 
what he saw in me because he made me testing coordinator. Okay. Um, and you have to be that kind of detailed, that systematic, mm-hmm. that, you know, focus on organized, uh, right? organized yeah, type sure. stuff. Um, but again, still with the focus on this is about the kids. We got to have systems set up that are good and, and allow kids to be successful. Um, and so that's where I started getting some of the leadership. And he would um, invite me to um, curriculum meetings or, again, testing coordinator meetings or um, come over here and listen to this conversation or be part of this, that kind of stuff. What do you think about mm-hmm. how we're doing this? Um, so when I um, had my son and had moved out here to Wiley, that drive to East Dallas um, as a new mother became mm-hmm. stressful. Okay. Um I didn't want to leave Dallas Can Academy because I loved my kids, but I also had a child of my own at that mm-hmm. point that I had to take care of. So um, when we moved over here to Wiley on the east side, it was the craziest thing. We were driving when we had first you know, looked at a house, and I saw a sign that said future Wiley ISD High School. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm thinking in my head, I was like, it'd be kind of cool if I could work at a school that's like two minutes from my house, mm-hmm. legit, um, you know, literally. And um, so fast forward, house got built. Um, they had a job fair, mm-hmm. um, and they said that they were looking for high school people for the new high school in Wiley. Mm-hmm. I went to the job fair over at Wiley High School, mm-hmm. um, interviewed, and pretty much got hired um, <laughs> on that day. I went to the school again later that week to meet with a couple of other people but because um, they were housed at a Wiley High School at that time, but pretty much got the job to be their ESL teacher okay. um, cool. when Wiley East opened. Um, but talked a lot in that interview and with that principal about my goals at that time to, you know, I'm working on my master's, mm-hmm. you know, I decided, oh, I need to go ahead and finish this. Now I have these hours had been given tons of confidence by my mentor at Dallas Can Academy um, and just started talking with him about, you know, kind of how I, I envisions doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he told me the second mentor, oh, well, when you get to your internship, let me know. You can help out in the office mm-hmm. um, up at the school and run discipline and learn more about this. And um, he would bring me and several other um, people who were we were all working on their ma- our masters at the same time um, into the office and quiz us on things and tell us about you know this and how would you handle this situation if it happened. And um, so that was my um, true indoctrination into okay, this is what high school or public administration um at a school would look like um that's good you know, yeah a lot of people don't get coaching like no that. Like, i don't i'm listening to that i'm like hey i didn't i didn't have that you know? <laughs> you know and like i said it's one of those things too just like a kid yeah. i didn't realize it until i looked back on it mm-hmm. like this is what these people were planting seeds in me exactly. um Definitely. because they saw something that yeah. lord help us you know yeah. you know how i am yeah. on most days i'm like what um but uh that's what got it going and so I was at Wiley East that year, and the summer uh, position came open at Wiley High School, um, and then honestly, several positions, including intern positions, came open in Garland ISD, mm-hmm. and I had been fortunate enough to interview in both places, mm-hmm. um, and I had gone to one of the Garland High Schools for like a walkthrough interview. And honestly, I thought I was going to get that job, in which I might have. But as soon as I got in the car um, at Saxe High School, I got a phone call from Wiley High, mm-hmm. um, the principal at Wiley High, saying that they wanted to offer me um, an assistant principal job mm-hmm. um, based on my interview. And um, they really thought I would be a fit for their team. And so I left Wiley East reluctantly after that first year. Um, and went to be a high school AP at Wiley High School. Okay. Okay. And that's 
man. That's kind of how it got it. It is, started, huh? and it hasn't stopped since. <laughs> um, and so that was the 2008, 2009 school year because I went <clears throat> from Wiley East with those ninth graders over to Wiley High School. So that was also um, actually a blessing to mm-hmm. me. Um, you know this a little bit, Crystal. Like I like to stay with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, like even this year, I, I moved with the seventh graders because that relationship piece is so big for me. Being over there with those kids um, for their sophomore year, them having a familiar face moving into a new building and me having some familiar kids to start mm-hmm. working with, I think really helped both of us that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I really started to um, be more uh, focused on how and why these relationships are important because I could see the fruits of some of my labor the year before sure. with some of those kids. Mm-hmm. Um and I was like, huh. I felt like I was kind of, you know, fumbling around with stuff. But then started doing some research, going to some trainings on brain-based, um, you know, learning. And um, I, the one of the first ones I went to was um, uh, Worksheets Don't Grow Dendrites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dr. Marshall Tate. Dr. Tate. Like, that was the very first <laughs> one. Yeah, and awesome. I remember sitting in there as a young administrator thinking, oh, my gosh, like, there's a name for all the stuff that, that, that I we do. that I want to do and that and I that do. We do. Yeah, that's a, that, that's another thing. Like I remember, you know, being in that training, like, man, you know, I do this. I just didn't know it had a name. It had a name, <laughs> and that like people pay for this, exactly. you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously, and so that gave me my next little, you know, push. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm on the right track yeah, here. Sure. This really is going to help these kids because, like I said, most days you go in there, you get hit with something that you've never either thought you were going to have to deal with, you've never dealt with before, nor do you want to. And so you feel like you're fumbling in the dark a lot of times and you don't want to mess the kid up, mm-hmm. but you also want to help them find a solution and you want to figure it out. Um, and so knowing that what I was, the path that I was on was actually going to get them somewhere mm-hmm. um, gave me some some confidence and was like, oh, okay, maybe you can do this job, sure. you know? Um, so anyway... So- well I know what you're doing now because here's a little quick quick story the way we met is um last last October in fact in two weeks in two weeks it's gonna be a year anniversary where I got a phone call from Garland ISD and they asked if I could you know help out at Busty Middle School as an assistant principal and the phone call was like okay can you can you do the month of November and I was like yeah for sure (laughs) I can do the month of November I said you know I I am teaching on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but uh, if you know if the, if the principal's fine with me not being there Tuesdays and Thursdays, you know I'll do the month of November. Well, then the month of November came. Can you go till Christmas? And then it went. Can you go till spring, spring break? break? And then like, hey, can you just finish off the year? <laughs> but anyways, I say that because that's where I, you know I was able to meet. Um, I was able to meet Rachel and yeah. um, and I had to. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but one of the things that that I enjoyed about you know just being back and um. In a K through twelve school, you know, working at a middle school and you know being there every day was just the, just the relationships that you that you create with people, you know, because now you know I teach at Richland College and higher education is just a different beast. You know, you're just kind of out there on your own. You know, you go, you teach your classes, you make relationships with the students, but as far as you know, talking to other staff, it's very very rare that you do that, especially as an adjunct professor, right? Adjunct, you go, you teach your classes, and bye, you're out of here. So, being at Bussy, you know, just being able to be around people again, I guess, you know, just being around people and just, and just bouncing off ideas, like what you're saying, because I think there's sometimes, you know, there's things that 
that, that you do and that I do and that we can learn from each other. And then just like even being around kids, right? Like, you know, they just, just see different different types of, um, I, don't, I don't want to put it, just different types of leadership styles and different types of people. And, and more than that, they see people that care about them, right? So it's just not Miss Brown saying that she cares about me. It's Mr. Cristalis as well. And I can think of some kids, but we're not going to say because, no. of, you know, because of <laughs> confidentiality. But I can think of some kids off the top of my head that, you know, so they heard the message from you, you know, and they got it in a motherly way, right? Yes. You know, they got it in a motherly way that you care about them. And then they heard it from me and they got it in my way. But yeah. bottom line, the bottom line with that message was like, hey, we care about you. Yeah. You know, and that was, that was great. So I'm yeah. sorry. I, I just throw that in That's there. That's okay. But because I'm, I'm thankful for it and I'm thankful that, you know, you're here. We, you know, we, we built that relationship because if I would have never got that phone call, we wouldn't be sitting here right now having yeah. this conversation. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, we were a team, man. Yeah. Like, you know, it was, it was, we got to get through this for the kids. Yeah. Um, and it was very evident. Um, to me after we kind of started, you know, get, got the introductions, like the first time that I heard you in your office talking to a kid and a parent in English and in Spanish, um, (laughs) that I was like, dude, this dude is saying the same things that I say, you know, like essentially it was, it was the same type of thing. And, um, and so I appreciated that because that's always, you know, nerve wracking with what, what's going on when somebody new comes in mid year, it's like, oh, you know, what, what's the team going to do? What am I going to have to teach them? What, what are we, we're going to have to figure each other out. Um, and I don't remember, it didn't take us very long. It didn't. To... And, and, and that's the thing. And, you know, and I've been in, you know, in administration as long as you, cause I started, yeah. I started in uh no, hold on. Isabella is, I always counted through Isabella. So I started at, at Sellers Middle School in 2006. So, okay. it'll be, you know, 13 years, you know, obviously, you know, I took my little sabbatical or I've taken my sabbatical or whatnot, right. but yeah, so think about it. You know, since 2006, I've been an administrator, I've been an assistant principal. And when you say that, right, it's always hard just to gauge how you're going to get along with that person that you work with, especially as an assistant principal. Um, what I what I appreciated about you is that there wasn't any competition. We were in it for the kids. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you'll work with an AP, with an assistant principal, and it's like they're trying to compete with you. I'm like, hold on, we're, we're in this for the same thing. So, yeah, I definitely hear you with that. You know, you definitely, you, we came in and, you know, of course, I was I was quiet at first because that's that's always how I am, right? I kind of just kind of just fill people out, but then it's like, okay, we're in this for the, like you said, we're in this for the right reasons, and hey, let's 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 just go and do this teamwork. Yeah, yeah, and you know, those children have asked about you. They have. They're like, "Where's Mr. Cristalis? Is he coming back? And where where'd y'all do with him? And you know that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, tell them when to get that phone call in two weeks. <laughs> exactly, <obviously>. I know. <laughs> Come back in October. We need. Come back in November, November first, like last year. Like you got a couple weeks going. Um, so tell us a little bit about your, your job now. One of the things, yeah. of course, with with this podcast, uh, the reason that I started because one of the things that I live by, kind of like my mantra, is you know mission driven. I'm driven by a mission. Mm-hmm. I'm driven by something that that um, to me is simple. You know, I want to be the best father I can be. Okay, I want to be the best educator I can be. I, I just want to be able to make a difference wherever wherever you know God places me. Wherever I'm, you know, I just want to be able just to be a positive force in people's lives. So. In terms of your mission, right? Because everybody has their own mission, their own personal mission, okay? That goes beyond the mission of a school district. That goes beyond the mission of a school. So in terms of your mission and what you do now, you know, and what you're doing now currently, because obviously you've done it, but every year is a different thing, but it, currently what you're doing as an assistant principal, how does how does how how do you see that connect? How does it align? Um, so, you know, like I said a little bit earlier, like I go into it, um, with pretty much the same lens as I did um, when I was tutoring um, at TJ Rusk. 
Um, I am in this for kids and for their success um, and for their benefit. Um, it may not always be their academic success. I want, I want to make sure that these people, these young people, become successful big people, adults. They make it to adulthood. Um, and so that's always been um, my mission as an educator. So when I got into the classroom, I wanted to make sure that my, you know, 150 um, were better than, mm-hmm. than what they were when they came to me. Sure. Um, but then when I started learning more about it, then I wanted to, this is kind of maybe where my, uh, my, my greed comes in is because I was like, well, if I can do this with 150, why can't I do it with 250, <laughs> 350? Exactly. How am I going to put myself into a position where I can affect more children? Well, that natural move is up into administration. You're over a grade level at that point in time. You're over a campus. Um, And then you can, you know, now after being at the campus level for, you know, 11 years, now I really see um, a little bit more clearly that I need to replicate myself. I can't affect 10 million kids, but I can help a thousand educators or a thousand administrators become better by sharing what I have or training or facilitating or coaching them, which is, you know, like we were talking about earlier. So now my focus has become over the last couple of years, um, professional development and learning, um, focusing on teacher development and Mm -hmm. and leader development. Mm -hmm. Um, And to the point now that I'm even working with a, a, a company part time, where I do go out and I get to coach and train teachers on how to use data that is student-centered um, to help them inform their instruction for their kids. Okay. Um, I'm also working with a couple of my um, friends on starting kind of a consulting um, organization. I don't know if we're going to use the word business, but a consulting firm um, that's going to work on you know coaching teachers and administrators um, in public education and in the community sector and awesome. possibly nonprofit. Um, I have just really found that helping people become better is what I like to do, mm-hmm. um, especially people who are focused on children mm-hmm. um, in any capacity. So um, that's my mission. Like. Yes. Where the kids are, that's where I want to be. You're, you're in the perfect spot, you know, just being in the position that you're in. And mm-hmm. man, I'm glad I'm having this conversation because it's just like we parallel so much. And I think you can agree with me on this. So I remember, so I was 24 when I became an assistant principal. I was young, okay? Mm-hmm. I was a baby, 24, you mm-hmm. know? And so I felt it's kind of like you were saying, right? And I don't think it's greed in a, in a negative sense. Right. I think it's just more like, man, if I can impact. And I was a bilingual teacher, so I only had like 25, 30 <laughs> students, right? So you yeah. had 150. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, man, I want to impact more than 25. I want to impact 500, 1,000 or whatever. Uh, but when I first started, it was kind of like, at least for me, I had to prove myself, especially for my age, especially because, you know, I was a Latino. And, you know, and there's there's still some stigma with that, right? And it's not even about, you know, um, that, well, he got the job because he's bilingual. He got the job because it's, he's Latino. It has nothing to do with that. I got the job because... I was the best person for that job. However, you still had people who had the mindset that, well, he only got it because of this. So I felt, okay, and this is just just foolishly, because again, I was 24, I felt like I had to prove myself. But something happened. I hit 30. I don't know if there's just something about hitting 30, but I hit 30, right? That was what my sixth year, uh, entering my sixth year in admin. I was like, I don't have to prove myself anymore. And I took on what you just said right now. I said, if I can replicate myself, if I can teach, you know, so-and-so and if I can help so-and-so become a better teacher and become a better educator 
then they're going to be able to impact the kids that I never talked to. Yep. Because you know how it is. As, a, as an administrator, you know, there's only certain kids that you talk to on a consistent basis. And most of the time, especially in middle school, there are the students who are, you know, misbehaving. But what about those other students that, you know, we may see in the hallways and we say hi, we never talk to them. However, if I can influence, you know, again, Miss Smith or, you know, Mr. Jones or whoever, and they can have that positive influence, man, it's just like, that's what it's about. So I, when I, when I, you know, like I said, when I turned 30, I was just like, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to prove myself to anybody. Yeah. And I remember I had a teacher who actually told me, he's like, Mr. Stiles, he's like, you know, you're, you're, you're like my mentor. In fact, he called me. I remember when I, when I left, when I, you know, resigned from Sam Houston, he was like, man, he was like, you're my Michael Jordan. And you know, and nice. I like Jordan, right? Yeah. So, so when he said that, I was like, I felt like I felt like tearing up. I'm not even gonna lie. So when he said he's like, you're my Michael Jordan. I was like, man, thank you so much. Right? But and that's what it's about. And I think so. I, I love what you're doing. I love you know just the, the fact that you want to help others because even as a speaker now, right? So I've been speaking full time for it's gonna be six years in February, and I feel the same way. You know, they're they're. I love speaking to kids. I love speaking to parents. And I love speaking to educators and you know teachers, principals because again. I know that they, you know, I can do my 45-minute keynote, but they're with the kids every day, Monday through Friday. So they're the ones who, so if I can impact them, you know, through my through my teachings or through the knowledge that I have, through my expertise, and they can take it and impact their kids, then it's just it's just one of those, you know, just a snowball effect. So I definitely agree definitely with you on that yeah yeah that that is it for me and you know I, I I'm not sure if you've heard me say this but I know my close friends have heard me say that one of the hardest things for me about being a secondary administrator is that I can never at big campuses I've always been at larger schools is that I'll never know every single kid's mm -hmm. name mm -hmm. like that literally breaks my heart yeah. that there are kids that walk down the hallway in March or mm -hmm. April that I literally, I can't place their face because there's just so many of them. Exactly. Um, and so when I, that that was really, for me, the catalyst to say, okay, but if I know that every single child in this building has one person mm -hmm. that knows their name, that says good morning to them, that checks on them, then that, that's enough for me right now um, moving forward. But I try to learn as many names as I can. For sure. <laughs> Definitely. And that's, I mean, that's what it's about in building relationships, uh -huh. you know, it's just learning names. So there's a tip right there. Yes. If you're a teacher listening, just learn your students' names. Like, <laughs> just do that. Take care of that. Well, and two, like, this is, a, if we're talking teacher tips, educators, please mandate that your kids learn your name yeah. also. Okay. Uh -huh. um, so that's one thing that I'll say, too. You talked about some parallels, but I think some of the parallels, even though it looks different for both of us, is that we both care about the kids, but we all also all have, have both have expectations Definitely. that we hold the kids to, um, and we're not afraid to uh, give consequences exactly. um, when those consequences are necessary um, for those students. But um, you know, I, I heard you talking to students before, like, my name is Mr. Cristales. I always leave with, my name is Rachel, not Rachel, Miss Brown. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what's your name? Um, what, what do you want me to call you? I ask mm -hmm. kids that too now. When I was a little bit younger, I didn't like to do the nickname thing, but again, something happens after 30, and I've had multiple <laughs> children now, and you know, you fight your battles. Exactly. And so if a kid gives me a nickname that I think is appropriate, and that's what, that's what will show them respect, mm -hmm. and show them that I'm building that relationship with them, I will call them by that nickname. Mm -hmm. Names are important. Um, you can't teach somebody you don't know. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, after that, learn something about them. Mm -hmm. You know, 
um, figure out, you know, what they do outside of school or what they like or what they want to be when they grow up. Like that's the basic start there. What do you want to be, you know? Um, and then go from there. So awesome. So here's a question. What is your proudest professional moment so far? And I'm, I'm sure you get a lot, but just I do. here we go with your proudest professional moment. Um, so I thought about this um, before, and it really um, has to be my kiddo who we, this was one of my high school kids, um, who we had had a rough year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had gone round so and round. This is when you were at This was AP? when I was, yeah, at, at, at Wiley. School. At Wiley High School? Yeah, okay. at Wiley High School. And I had a student who, um, we had just, just rough year. He was going through a lot. Um, and we just didn't see eye to eye all the time. Not that it was just terrible. Like I never did anything that I, that I, you know, regret, but I mean, he spent a lot of time out of school Mm -hmm. for discipline problems. And eventually I ended up sending him to the alternative school. Mm -hmm. And I remember the next school year and he told me, I mean, he just, he did not like me (laughs) at all. And, um, I remember the next school year I saw him at the football game and I was about to get on the radio because I had thought that he wasn't supposed to be there. I'm like, that's how serious this Mm -hmm. situation was. And I was like, I don't think he's supposed to be here. So I was about to get on the radio and he came, I saw him coming towards me too. So I'm like, Oh, what's about to happen? And he came up to me and he was like, Miss Brown, can I, can I talk to you for a Mm -hmm. minute? And I was like, sure. I mean, (laughs) you know, and, um, he was like, I just, I really wanted to tell you, um, you saved my life by sending me to alternative school last year. And I'm what? Like you, I was about to tear up, but I was like, okay, stay strong. Cause you got all these kids around, like what's going on. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, you know, when I went over there, he said the teachers over there did exactly what you said they were going to do. Um, it was smaller for me. They worked with me one-on-one. They really cared about me finishing it because here's the other part of this. I knew he was extremely bright. Mm-hmm. Um, like not even bright's not even the word. Like, he was off the charts okay. intelligent, which is part of why he got in trouble for what yeah, he got in trouble time, for. Yeah, you'll, you'll see that. Um, yeah. And I would always tell him, you're smarter than this. Why are we making these choices? Like, you can, you can do so much better. Um, and he just said when he got over there, he said, you know, they, they did exactly what you said. They, they worked with me. Um, they made sure that I came to school every day. They said good morning to me. And they helped me get my credits. Um, and he said, and so... You know, I figured out what I wanted to do. And he was like, and now I'm going to go to Colin um, and start. And I was like, oh, what? I mean, that too, just like I said, Sable was my first one to get me going. Mm -hmm. But that one was really the one that I was like, ooh. (laughs) Even the ones who like literally, I mean, there was one day where he was like, I just don't want to see you anymore. And I had told him, yeah, you know, the feelings mutual, kid. Like we we both are done. Um. And for him to find me and come back and tell me that, that to me, that was pivotal um, in my my leadership um, uh, journey, I think. So, and that's also what kind of solidified for me that kids like him are really the kids that, that I need to be with um, mm-hmm. because we, we help each other out, mm-hmm. um, really. So I have met plenty more children like him mm-hmm. over the years and you know what we still go back back and forth and sometimes they do still get sent to alternative school but I always make sure um and tell them hey you can get out of this if you do this then you can get to this next level when you come back I'll mm-hmm. be ready for you um I'll be glad to see you 
um, and we'll keep it moving. And um, so that's kind of, that was one of those moments that's for cool. me. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, they, they need that. They need the, I guess that, you know, just real, real life. You mm-hmm. know, some, that's how real life works. You know, you do something and, you know, you got, you have consequences. And so, you know, you're doing it because you care about them. Yeah. It may not seem like that at the time, but yeah. you, know, you do care about them. That's exactly right. So you have a platform, right? And, and that's another thing that I talk about in, in uh, one of my episodes that, you know, we all have a platform, you know, when we think of platform, you know, we, we think of, well, you know, or, you know, whether it's, you know, social media reach or whatever, but daily we have a platform, mm-hmm. you know, our kids, you know, um, we're at our job. So you have, and I always, I always look at it like this, cause this is another reason why I got into admin, um, got into administration because I knew that not only could I impact students, but I could impact teachers and parents as well. So you have your platform, right? Mm-hmm. Assistant principal, Rachel Brown. <laughs> so what, what are some things that you feel is important to share? You know, so let's, let's just do this. So important to share to teachers, yeah. important to share to students, and important to share to parents. Great. Um, so I'll start with teachers because I'm working right now with a group of our zero year teachers um, okay. at, at Bussy this year. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working with them and their mentors and that kind of stuff. And um, for, I, I just had a conversation with them because we're in October. October is a rough month. Mm-hmm. This is where all the kids are showing their true colors. You're a little bit tired now. The is newness, that why they called me in October? They probably, yes, that's exactly what <laughs> it was. Sense. Um, the newness of the school year, the newness of your job as a zero year teacher mm-hmm. as reality has set and there will be tears in October, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. always. And so, um, I just told them that when you get to that point to always force yourself some days to find something that's positive. Okay. Um, we talked this last time about the 80, 20 rule. If 80% of your students are able to be successful in whatever system you have set up or on whatever assessment that you've given, um, then that is considered an overall success. Mm-hmm. Um, if 20% or more than 20% of your kids are not successful, cannot comply, are not able to do what you're asking them to do, then you need to be introspective and look at how you set that up because it's not working for the kids. Um, and so I told them, let's look at your numbers. Cause again, everything's about data mm-hmm. now. So I had them go look at their discipline referrals and the, the students that they're writing discipline mm-hmm. referrals on, because that's what they tend to focus on those ones that they're writing referrals mm-hmm. on. Um, and then we came back and I checked in with a couple of them. So did any of y'all have more than 20% of your classes that you were writing referrals on? Mm-hmm. Nope. Did any of you guys have one um, type of incident that was happening more than 20% of the time that you were constantly writing kids up for? Nope. I said, so how many, you know, was it two, maybe five over the whole day? So that's mm-hmm. one per class period, not even one per class period. Um, so really the average was probably three kids okay. that they each had um, that was just, and those were the ones that they were toiling over. Like, oh, this is making this class Slim, so terrible. That ruined their whole day. Right? That ruined their whole day yeah. and that was making them cloud. So I, we sat there and we said, okay, no, let's focus on the 80%. Mm-hmm. What are you doing right? Who are the kids that are doing what you're asking them to do? Who are the kids that are coming to you? Because I said, I said, there's somebody that has said something positive to you that said, thank you. That said, how are you today? Or can I come to your room instead of going 
somewhere else, which, you know, mm-hmm. it has its own issues. You know, let's think about what it was. And then slowly but surely, every single one of my zero year teachers had something. And some of them were not just little somethings. Some of them were super powerful. Like one of my first year teachers who has just been going through it with one of her classes had another teacher did an assignment where she asked students to write um, a thank you or a note to a teacher or a staff member who you think needs a hug. Mm. That was the that was the assignment. And she had told me, hey, Miss So-and-so got the biggest stack out of my classes of you need a hug mm-hmm. notes. And I said, did y'all give them to her? And she was like, yes, we gave them to her. So I went to the teacher and I said, how'd that make you feel? She was like, I had no idea that this many of them really wanted to be there, cared, were listening. Mm-hmm. And I said, and this is only, you know, week nine. Mm-hmm. And you're getting that kind of stuff. I had another one who said that she's got kids and same thing. She's got a class that takes her through the ringer like everybody does. Mine was always six period. Um, mm-hmm. And she was focusing on that. And she said, but, you know, I have this group of kids who come by every morning and ask if I'm having tutorials because they want to come in my classroom in the morning. And just work in my room. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's big. That is. That's, that means the kids feel safe there. Mm-hmm. They know that you want them there. And they want to be with you. Like, outside of anything else, if you can create an environment for kids where they want to be with you, that's huge. Sorry. And so she was like, man. Um, so it, it was stuff like that. I said, always try to focus on the majority. Take it back, even when you're emotional, when you're upset, mm-hmm. when you're having one mm-hmm. of those days, mm-hmm. take it back and think about the 80% or more. And most of them ended up having higher than 80% mm-hmm. <laughs> that the, that were able to comply and be successful. Because um, it's not just about compliance. It's about being successful mm-hmm. in the system. Um, and so when you put it in those terms, um, they were able to say, okay, I can get through the bad days. Um, I also am very clear with them in my hiring um, you know, interview process and when school starts, there there will be rough days. There mm-hmm. will be children who just for whatever reason do not want to be um, compliant and do the work and, you know, that kind of stuff. Take care of yourself um, and understand that that child is going through something so that you don't take what's happening to you um, as, a, as a, um, a direct hit on you. It's not personal. Um, and then that way, that'll help you really see what's going on um, and eventually build that relationship with that kid. Um, I know both of us can talk about mm-hmm. some of the kids that we have the strongest relationships with mm-hmm. are the kids who took us through the ringer oh, sure. Sure. <laughs> at the beginning. Sure. Um, and yeah. we're just not going to even acknowledge our existence. In mm-hmm. my case, um, a couple of them didn't even want to just look my way. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they are the kids who come to me for everything. Um, and so I, I just told them, focus on building those relationships, look at the majority, um, and not the minority and then, um, love them through their struggle, um, as much as you can, um, kind of the same, uh, uh, advice for students, especially adolescents. Cause that's my, my wheelhouse is middle school and high school is trying to help them see the big picture. Mm. It's not just seventh grade. It's not just eighth grade and letting them know that life does get better after that. I know now enough about the brain to understand that that's just how their brains work. It's all about right now. But um, I tell them, let's start working on some strategies to help you get through and over that emotional explosion Mm -hmm. um, that is happening in your brain. And um, I try to be very clear on the expectations um, for them to 
come and see me and write or color or yell um, <laughs> or hit something if they need to um, because I'm going to help them through that as opposed to having an explosion in front of people who don't know them and don't understand their struggle. Um, so that for me is helping them build that strategy of instead of just completely reacting as soon as that that lid flips, mm-hmm. take a deep breath, say, can I go see Miss Brown? Okay. Or, you know, if you have to, just, just come start walking away mm-hmm. from the situation. Um, and that came because, I, like I said, I work with kids who are in trauma mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I figured out that's where you really need to get them. You can't, and I don't want to stop them from having the emotion because they'll, they're going to be hurt. They're going to be upset. But I want to help them figure out how to deal with it instead of hitting somebody or, you know, those kind of things. Um, so I just let them know that their feelings are valid, um, but the actions and reactions are where we need to put our exactly. thoughts. And that's good. That's something that, you know, I just talked about on my last episode, mm-hmm. talking about feelings are vital. Yeah. You know, so the emotions that people feel when they get hurt or when they're going through trauma, like you say, and a lot of a lot of the students that we work with, right? So we work in the low, you know, income schools and at risk and all that. And so they do go through traumatic situations. They do experience pain. They do experience hurt. They experience stuff that we may not even have no clue about. Okay. And so they come to school and they have to wear this mask, right? They got to wear this mask. And so then somebody, you know, makes them upset or ticks them off or something just triggers. And so I like what you said, you know, you said that their feelings, yeah, they're, they're valid. Their feelings, what they're feeling, you know, it's, they can feel that, but it's how you respond to that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them don't know how to respond. A lot of adults don't know how to respond, right? So, so I'm with you on that. I'm big on that. In fact, you know, and that's one of the things as I was, you know, preparing for my podcast, the last one that I recorded was like, man, feelings aren't final. They're mm-hmm. not, you know, because, you know, think about it, you know, there's times where, where we felt pain, we felt hurt, but all that eventually fades, yep. right? So it's kind of like, okay. Now what? Now what? Not why, because we can get stuck in why, but now what? Mm-hmm. So that's that's awesome that, that you yeah. you know you take time to, to show the kids there because they need somebody. And Man. if they're not getting it at home, they need to get somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then two, for parents, um, talking to parents <clears throat> of teenagers, um, I let them know because a lot of times, you know, coming from elementary school, they're, you know, hand-holding and always there, and they think, oh, I'm in middle school now, I can let go. I've always encouraged my, my parents of my middle school and my high school kids to actually hold on tighter um, when like you get that. to middle school and high school. It may look a little bit different. Yeah, they don't need you to help them tie their shoes mm-hmm. and cross the street, mm-hmm. but they need, they're making big decisions mm-hmm. um, about a lot of things every single day, and they need to know that they can trust you. Um, and parents... And I'm speaking, I'm a teenage parent now and it hurts some days. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to kind of get over the hurt feelings because mm-hmm. their their brains are pushing us away. Mm-hmm. They tell you, I don't want to say anything. We've just got to stay the course. Um, and I don't mean be a hoverer and constantly ask the mm-hmm. kids, you know, what, but just always let them know that you're there for them. Come to the school still, um, you know, contact us, um, ask about what they're supposed to be doing, what, you know, where, where they need to go um, and just... You know, hang on to them um, in a different way um, when they when they become adolescents and and teenagers because they still this is when the the real stuff happens. For sure. You know, they're having their first you know love experiences. They're having their first experience possibly working you know doing something that possibly could lead to getting them money uh, you know in the future. Their their course load is 
extremely, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, their structure of their day looks <clears throat> completely different when they get um, to, to middle school. And um, that's a lot going on all at once. And their brains are just firing a million you know, times a minute and they can't always navigate correctly. And so they make bad choices sometimes. Um, but they need us and parents to bookend them and help them understand um, you know, how to make better choices next time. Um, I'm also very big on not holding a grudge against a child mm-hmm. for a decision that they have made. Um, you know, every they're, they're still learning. Mm-hmm. So we have to give them chances. I wake up every day knowing that I'm probably going to say walk mm-hmm. <laughs> a million times in the hallway. People are like, well, won't they ever stop running? No, mm-hmm. that's what kids do. Mm-hmm. So every day I know I'm going to say walk, walk, walk so that at least when they see me or when they get in the hallway, they might at least start running. But then, okay, no, I know I'm not supposed to be running. And exactly. eventually they'll get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it, you're, you have to repeat yourself. Um, it, it's it's the same with anything. I gave the example to um, one of my teacher friends the other day that I was talking to. Um, when we're teaching our children how to walk, um, we don't just show them one time and then put them on the floor and walk away and say walk mm-hmm. and never go back and try to help and you know help them along. We show you know they're learning how to walk. They see us modeling walking. They're trying. We're encouraging them. Everybody has a video of them trying to encourage their child to take their first step. And then even after they take their first step, they we fall. make sure they fall, but we help them up. <laughs> yeah. But we have, we have guardrails. We have protection on corners. Mm-hmm. Why don't we do that in the education system? Why do we think that we can teach something one time and the kids are going to be able to master mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. And then we get mad or upset with the kids and with the system and with the administration because all of this kind of stuff. But we know that that's not how the brain learns. Yeah. So why do we change it? from when they're learning how to walk to when we're trying to teach them how to solve a, a quadratic equation. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I've never been able to, to separate the two. Mm-hmm. Teaching them how to walk is super complicated. So is solving a quadratic mm-hmm. equation. We're going to have to start slow and protect them along the way and teach them until they've practiced it enough to be running. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know if that digressed a little no, bit, no, but it's good stuff. No, I mean, <laughs> but it's kind of yeah. One of my philosophies on on education and the education system and um, how we need to work within it so that kids can succeed. So let's talk about the greatest leadership tip you could give someone. So let's say somebody wants to go into administration. You know, they're a teacher now. They've been teaching five, ten, fifteen years, and now they think they're ready to make this job. What's the number one? leadership tip you would give them Mm -hmm. start by um, observing and learning Um, observe your um, everything in your campus so if you go from being a teacher to an administrator um, at a different campus um, or even at a new campus observe everything from multiple perspectives mm-hmm. um, go into a classroom sit in the desk get so you get your your student perspective um, go get your and this is gonna you know one of those things go get your janitorial perspective mm-hmm. go get your custodian I mean your uh, cafeteria worker mm-hmm. perspective go into your special needs classrooms mm-hmm. go into your GT classrooms um, go see extracurricular events 
um, so that you can get a full picture of your whole campus. Um, then learn, learn your people. Um, the first year as an administrator, I got some great advice. Don't come in and change anything unless it's affecting safety and security mm-hmm. um, on your campus. But just go in and learn how they do things. Learn who does what, because mm-hmm. um, that's huge for a campus. Mm-hmm. Who are your leaders? Um, and then learn the people. Learn if you have a staff that is um, been at that campus since it opened. Mm-hmm. Learn if you have a you know staff that's fairly new. Learn if you have a staff that um, have you know just recently been married or recent college graduates or you know who have gone through the loss of parents and who have you know learn about the people that you're working with um, so that that can inform your conversations with them. Okay. Um, excuse me. Uh, we're in the people business. And you'd be crazy if you thought none of that outside stuff affects what's going on in the classroom. It does. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, does. does. It, really does. it does. For the kids <clears throat> and for the for your staff. That's right. Um, and so just by knowing some of that mm-hmm. th- those things, you can help them through that. But then you can also ensure that the campus still runs. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I always tell people is personal stuff happens. People are going to be late. Kids are going to get sick. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to go do something or, you know, that. But you've got to let us know that mm-hmm. so that I can make sure that this place is taken care of so that you can take care of yourself while you're away. That's right. Um, one of the things that kills me is when teachers say, I'm just going to come to school sick because I- I'm nervous about what's going to happen mm-hmm. or I don't think my kids or I don't have, you know, I don't want y'all to have to deal with it if my sub drops or mm-hmm. something like that. I always tell them, no, you need to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. We, th- this is what we do. Mm-hmm. We'll take care of this as long as we know and we understand what's happening. Um, and so definitely, um, observe your, your surroundings and get multiple perspectives, um, and then learn your people. Those, those are two for me. That's good. Yeah. See, again, there it is. There's a theme again. <laughs> it's all about relationships. Yeah. All right. So here we go for the last question. All right. I, I love this question. By the way, this is a question. All right. This is a question that I would ask in interviews uh-huh. and it would always, you know, most of the time, majority of the time it would stump people because they're like, what? Because, so the question is this, before you ask it, the question is, what is one thing that you would never want to do as an educator and why? Because yeah. most of the times you say, well, what do you want to do as an educator? You know, like, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. And that's easy. But when you flip it, right, yeah. what is something that you would never want to do as an educator and why? And again, before you answer that, you know, one of the thing, things that I stress, you know, on this podcast is that, man, if you have somebody who's looking up to you, you're an educator. If you're a teacher, you're an educator. A parent, you're an educator. You work with young people at church, you're an educator. In fact, I got a message today from a student who goes to UT. And he's a pledge master. Okay, so he's a pledge master for his fraternity. And he was like, you know what? He's like, thank you so much for telling me that I'm an educator. He's like, I am. He's like, there are these, you know, you know, these guys who are new in my frat, and I'm their pledge master. So I'm their educator. I'm their leader. I'm their influence. I'm the person that's influencing them. So again, if you're listening out there, don't. Don't discount this information because if you have somebody who's looking up to you, who's going to you for advice, you're an educator. So That's phenomenal. You like that? I do like that. Good job, Christophe. What is one thing you would never want to do as an educator and why? So when I was preparing, it was was one of those questions that you're like, what? Um, And so at first, the first thing that came to my head was besides textbooks Mm -hmm. because so (laughs) the the, the thing behind textbooks, that is the one thing that as an administrator, I have never done because I don't want to do it. But I've actually traded 
things that <laughs> other people would be like, what? I've traded summer school okay. for textbooks. But so other than textbooks <laughs> um, or drive a bus, okay. those are the okay. other things that driving these children around terrifies me because okay. because of I want to keep them safe. But um, the more deep answer, the more the real answer is I would never want to negatively impact a student's life long term. Um, and I really do lose sleep over that mm-hmm. when I make a decision um, because a lot of the decisions that we end up making I do or can um, send kids into a certain path mm-hmm. down the down the road. And I'll tell a quick story at the end about why um, I, I, I put this because something happened to me as a student. But I would never want to do something that negatively yeah. impacts a kid. Okay. Um, and so one of the pieces of advice that I've given young administrators and leaders is to always be able to be convicted behind your decisions. Um, every decision that you make, you have to be able to reconcile it with yourself and know that you made that decision for whatever greater good reason, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And you need to be able to articulate that. That's how you'll be able to sleep at night. If you ever make a decision that you're not convict, convicted behind or that you really, I'm um, not really sure why I did that or I think that might have hurt a kid or that wasn't the right decision. That's good. And, and it's not about right or wrong. It just wasn't the right decision mm-hmm. for you. Um, and so when I say negatively impact, um, I had a teacher in junior high who um, was my eighth grade English teacher. And you know how it is in the spring, you have to go around and you're picking your classes for high school mm-hmm. and for just just like now for honors or pre-AP classes, mm-hmm. um, you have to have a recommendation from your teacher mm-hmm. um, to be able to go into those classes seemingly. Um, and so I remember going to my eighth grade English teacher and asking him to sign off on my honors English for high school. And he told me he was not going to sign it. Wow. And I, yeah, this was you yeah 13 year old me so like i said before i was never the top top kid but i was always a solid kid like i worked hard i made a's mostly some b's whatever um and i i didn't understand why and so i remember asking him what because i didn't you know i've never been told no like that before and he was like well i see that you have spanish circled also well yeah because i need a foreign language he was like i don't think that you're you'll be able to do both of those wow yeah. Just shutting you out like that. Man. Uh, and so I thought, and that that might too, even though I didn't want to be a teacher when I went to college, I've always remembered that. And so when I started working with the kids at TJ Rusk, I was like, I never want to speak anything but life into right. kids. Now, not that all kids can do some everything, yeah. because we know there are some people who couldn't yeah. handle it, but he didn't give me a reason. Yeah. It was just, I don't think you can. You know me well, and a lot of people know me well enough now. Like, I'm like, oh, you said I can't? That's the challenge. Huh. Let's go. <laughs> Let's challenge. go. Exactly. Yeah, and so guess exactly. what? I went around it, got mom involved, got all this stuff, ended up being in honors English, ended up being in honors and AP, ended up taking through Spanish 5 in high school mm-hmm. also, taking Spanish in college yeah. as well. Um, and yeah, like she, I said, she speaks a little Spanish. Too. I do. You only think that's when y'all. But I just, um, I never want to be that person yeah, for good. a kid. Like that and breaks my heart. And here's a great lesson in that because you obviously had parents who were involved mm-hmm. and who fought for you, right? Mm-hmm. And you had the, you had the type of mentality like, okay, you're gonna say no to me. Well, let me show you differently. But let's think about the kids who don't have the mentality or don't have the mom and dad that's going to fight for them. And you know how it is because 
specifically in low-income schools, yeah, we don't have those parents. They were like, oh, well, they said no, they said no. Yes. And so that's where we become advocates as well. So not only are we assistant principals, administrators, principals, we're also advocates that say, hey, no, we're going to fight for this kid. No, you need to be in honors. No, I believe you can be in honors. Whether your mom believes that, whether your grandpa believes that, I believe that. Man. That's good. Yeah. That's awesome. So you listen to that. Again, you never just want to negatively impact and maybe and here's the thing right so in hindsight right let's just play devil's advocate in hindsight maybe he he didn't even need the teacher didn't mean any harm by it but mm-hmm. still but right? still and maybe he did we don't know i don't know i mean do you know do you think he meant it i i remember just being in shock okay i don't remember ever having a a bad relationship with that, so with that just, teacher so whatever you know maybe whatever, he had just yeah. this you know what they call it in sociology right this implicit bias right so for whatever reason whatever implicit reason. bias you know where there's this you know african-american 13 mm-hmm. year old girl who mm-hmm. you know what she can't do both okay for whatever reason yeah he has some sort of bias that made that prejudgment on you yeah. so again that that's good negatively want to impact somebody's yeah life. that's yeah. good all right. That's, that's me. So. Well, hey, it's been great. Enjoyed it. it. Yeah, that's we gonna be it. it. We made it. We made it. We made it. So, hey. uh, anything you want to plug? Anything? Uh, I know you, you, your son, right? He takes pictures he and stuff. Does. Come on, you can plug. And you can I can. Pictures. Yeah, go ahead and plug oh, his, his Instagram, and they can follow yes. him or whatever. Yeah. So my son, who is also a struggling learner, so on the parent side, I have dealt with with dealing with that too. He is a phenomenal photographer. Um, sports photography. Um, and he has been working with a couple of people, um, uh, coaches in the area and has some sideline game, like nobody's business on these pictures. Um, he has an Instagram at QB.photos, um, on Instagram. He will come work for you if you have sports pictures that you want to take, um, or if you want to buy some of the ones that he has. Um, but he is killing it, man. And that's what he wants to do. He's a junior. So we're starting to work on that college Ooh, entrance stuff. Yeah. How about you? Where can people follow you? So you can follow me um, at Reflection1913 on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, I put a whole bunch of stuff, lifestyle stuff out there, positive stuff, a lot of education um, information. That's where I get a lot of my stuff from. And um, so I would appreciate it if you would come check me out. For sure. For sure. Thank you so much for... You're actually... I know I said you're the first person I interviewed, but... Isabella took that honor yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we, of we were we were trying out this you know this new this new equipment. So you know, interviewed her first, but you're my official yeah. first. Hey, but interview. I just want to say thank you. Um, I was a little bit nervous, but I'm very excited because, uh, like I said too, I'm trying to get into more of the consulting role and training and facilitation role, and so. Um, well, putting, you got it in my voice. And I know out you there. know that, but I just want to tell you that as you were just expressing. You know, and that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this, you know, this um, just interview people, because, you know, the greatest thing that we every individual has is their story. And every story, every story is different. So there's things that you have, there's knowledge that you have, there's wisdom that you have, there's expertise that you have that, you know, again, let's go back to what we said. I'm not going to be able to impact, you know, all these people, but you may. Right. And so if I can spark that and say, hey, listen to what you just said, play this back. And like, man, you got nuggets there that you can just give off to people. Yeah. So I yeah. hope, you know, it encouraged me listening to you. And I hope it encourages you Thanks. as well as you go on with your, you know, your consulting and all that. So yeah. I got you back. I appreciate it. Hey, and I, I too, I believe in ordered steps. So there was a reason that you got called last That's October. Right. That's right. Because sure. look at us now. We're exactly. best. We're BFFs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's TBD. I'm going to say, yeah, no, no, we're good. We're familiar. Right? <laughs> uh, well, thank you yeah. so much. So. Appreciate you.
All right, that wraps up the interview with Rachel Brown. And now for the special surprise, it's a quick interview with Isabella Cristales. Thank you so much for joining me on the Mission Driven Podcast. My name is AC Cristales, and today I'm joined by a special, 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 special guest. And her name is? Isabella. What's your last name, Isabella? Cristales. Cristales. All right, so I have, I have one question for you, Isabella, all right? So... Um, one of the things that I talk about, okay, and I know you're looking at me like really weird, you're like, why are you talking to me like that? But anyways, so one of the things that I that I talk about on this podcast is um, just the power that teachers have and educators have. So can you tell the audience who your favorite teacher ever has been? Mm, my fourth grade teacher. Okay, so your fourth grade teacher, all right. Do you want to give us your fourth grade teacher's name? Just in case she's listening, you never know, she may be listening. Miss Topper. Miss Topper. Okay, that's, is that her name, Miss Topper? Was that her name last year? Well, she got married. She got married. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, Miss Topper, and her late name last year was Miss Fenera. Uh, Miss Fenera. All right. Very good. So, Isabella, tell us why Miss Fenera or Miss Topper now is your favorite teacher. She helped me love animals more. She helped you love animals more. How does she do that? She kept on telling us stories of her husband saving animals. Oh, really? Cool. So, when she was telling you those stories, how'd that make you feel? I want more pets. You want more pets? All right, very good. Is there a specific pet that you want? A tortoise. A tortoise? All right. Why, why do you want a tortoise? Because, um, it was, like, um, one of, the, she has a lot of them in her classroom, and, you just like them more. You just like them more. All right, very good. Is there a specific tortoise that you like? Do you know what's um, the name of the tortoise that you like in the class? Herman. Herman. All right, Herman the tortoise. All right, very good. So, so you liked her because she taught you about animals. Was she nice? Was she a nice teacher? Yes. Could you tell that she cared about you? Mm-hmm. How do you know she cared about you? I don't know. You don't know, but you just knew she cared about you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was she? Was she? Um, did she have a good attitude all the time? Yes. Was she helpful? Yes. Was she caring? Yes. All right. Very good. Well, Isabella, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for being my first guest. I really appreciate it. All right. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to tell the the audience out there? Mm-hmm. No. All right. Thank you, baby. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it empowered you. I hope you were able to take something with you that will be fuel for your week. All right. And as always, remember this. Okay. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to rate and review it as well. Or if you're listening on Spotify, there's that follow button. Go ahead and click on it. Or if you're on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel because the podcast that I record and that I upload also get uploaded to YouTube so you can listen on there as well. Continue to spread the message. Continue to tell your friends and your family, yo, you got to check out this podcast, the Mission Driven Podcast. It's going to encourage you. It's going to empower you. You're going to get something from it. Thank you guys for listening. I can't wait to next week when I break down. Well, I'm not going to tell you right now, but next week I'm looking forward to it as well. So remember, the mission is now. So remain mission driven. Faith, hope, love.